0: The world of dog sports has lots of options to keep your dogs four paws busy. Let's dive deeper in four paws sports.
1: And welcome back to Four Paws Sports Podcast. My name is Jeff Nieder and as always my cohort and partner in crime, Mary Drexler.
0: Hey everybody, how you doing?
1: All right, well tonight kind of comes courtesy of one of our listeners. Uh, We do greatly appreciate you guys listening in with us and uh, she sent us some ideas of what she'd like to get our opinions on for training and uh, handling in the ring and how to best come overcome some problems that uh, she's having. And I'm sure this is probably relatable to quite a few of you actually out there. So, uh, Mary, uh, what do you have on tap for us tonight?
0: Well, um, we had three really great questions. And so we're going to cover a little bit of each one. One is a dog that is sticky coming down the A-frame. One involves a dog that gets kind of slow and demotivated and the handler ends up running the long way around the outside to kind of help block out the rest of the world and get the dog running, give yourself more room to keep moving and keep the dog moving. And the third involves tunnel suckers and how to turn a dog away from a tunnel. So situations that can certainly arise with a lot of dogs that you see at trials fairly regularly. So I thought I would try to help give some ideas on how to work on those things.
1: That sounds like a good agenda tonight. I think that's uh, that's great because, like I said, I see as a judge, I see especially the, uh, the A-frame sticking on the A-frame and really crawling down there slowly. I see that quite frequently. So uh, definitely would love to have uh, some of that advice coming out to help out some of our uh, fellow competitors out there.
0: And I do want to say before we get started that obviously there's more than one way to do this. We'd love to even hear in the comments when we post this, if you guys have other ways you have worked on this or some other ideas, we'd love to hear them um, or some questions about why I'm suggesting what I'm suggesting or how to implement it. Love to hear that feedback. Absolutely contact us and um, we'd love to have that feedback. So just think this is one way. And this particular listener, this is a dog. This is not a toy motivated dog. This is a dog that's going to work for food, but not toys, obviously. Um, And that tends to be what I have more of. So you can adjust this for working with a toy as well. But in this particular instance, I'm going to talk about using food reward because that's what most of what I train, most of who I train likes. And that's what this particular dog in question likes. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I think before we get into that, I think we need to have a little brag time because Mary, I think you sent me a photo this weekend and I think you had a pretty good weekend here, um, but I'll let you, uh, I'll let you brag on yourself for that one.
0: I would be happy to brag on myself. So <laughs> this weekend was a first for me. Um, So I had my first litter back in June of 2022. And I have been trying to breed dogs for a very long time. And it has, you know, as anyone who's bred dogs before or tried to breed dogs knows, if it can go wrong, it will. And it ha- can and will be going wrong for the past, I don't even know how long now. But last June, I had my first litter, and they're healthy, wonderful puppies. And there are four puppies out in the world now living with their families and growing up. And now they're starting to hit the show ring. And so. I have my four babies are Mays and Bezos and Papa and Boston and Bezos and Boston, sorry, Bezos and Papa have both been in the confirmation ring and they went, they each went to their first shows back in February and got some nice ring time. No love from the judge, but this past weekend was their second show and they both showed So much better, first of all. like I was so proud that they remembered what they'd worked on and done a really nice job. And on Saturday, little Bezos went winner's bitch. Um, Papa went winner's dog, but there were no class dogs. So he was kind of a foregone conclusion. But Bezos went winner's bitch over two other nice bitches. And then Papa went best of winners over Bezos. So they both got their first points, which is my first points as a breeder. So I almost into tears and hugged the judge Almost, but I controlled Myself, although I did go up to him the next day and thank him And um, Yeah, and then the second day Papa once again went best Winners, one of my friends took winner's bitch So that was great because I love it when the points get Spread around like that, but Bezos showed awesome I was so proud of her And then Papa was winner's dog and best of winner. So he got two points this weekend. So that was really exciting. And then my little puppy, Jinkies, who I did not breed, but I trained her dad. And her mom comes down from the same lines originally as my Hex and Sonnet. Actually, if you go back, their female families all kind of merge together eventually. And little Jinkies did four to six-month-old puppy, which is, you know, just for fun. And I just wanted to get her some ring time. And she... Totally blew all my expectations away. She was working group second on Saturday. And then Sunday, she just showed like a little rock star and was group first for the working group and then took best in show for beginner puppy. So, yeah, we well, had a great
1: I got to say, it sounds like for two weekends in a row, the baby dogs have uh, exceeded all expectations uh, that we could possibly ask for.
0: Yes, absolutely. And so, and it's like, you know, Jeff had at nationals with his dog that he bred and I have with my puppies. Like, I think it's just, it's brings an extra special element to it when it's your baby that you've known since they were a little lima bean and you take them in the ring and somebody else is like, cause of course you think your puppies are wonderful. Cause how can you not? But when somebody else thinks they're wonderful too, that's always kind of nice. you know. <laughs>
1: I mean, of course I'm not biased. I don't think mine are perfect ever, never, never, never.
0: I mean, critically looking at my own, like I actually tend to sometimes go the other way where it's like every little fault they have, I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, as if they have limbs dangling or something, but in reality also, <laughs> like, but they're my wonderful puppies too. And so, you know, and it was just, you know, it's really nice when, it's a good feeling anytime the judge points to you and says, yeah, you're the best one today. But when it's a puppy, you bred, that's just, that just makes it a lot better. So that was, that was a pretty great, pretty great moment for me. So, but like I say, I did not burst into tears. I did not jump up and down and squeeze the judge and probably scare him to death. So I thought that was a win.
1: (laughs) Well, nobody could blame you if you did. I mean, I, I would definitely probably do the same thing.
0: Right. right. But like I said, I did go up the next day and thank him. And he was like, I gave you winner's dog and winner's bench. He says, you probably should have paid me off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was no, obviously a private judge.
0: No, no. Seriously. Wouldn't he was like, I, you know, but he was being, he was being funny, but he was also, he was a very nice guy. And he, I told him they were puppies that I bred and it was my first points as a breeder. And he was, I think he was kind of tickled. I think judges like to hear that. A lot of times, you know, judges hear when somebody's upset or they don't, you know, they hear the grumbling on social media the next day when people don't like how they judged or whatever. But, you know, I know it was just a single point, but it felt like, you know, winning the national. So it was pretty great.
1: Absolutely. That's a big accomplishment when you're the breeder itself.
0: Exactly. So hopefully we've got more points in our future, but Anyway, it was fun. It was good fun. Oh, good,
1: good. Well, let's, uh, let's, start, uh, let's start off with our, uh, our topic tonight.
0: Okay. Well, the first thing I want to suggest when you are having an issue with your dog, whether it's a new problem or even if it's something that you've been dealing with their whole career, the first thing I would recommend is getting your dog checked over really well just to make sure. And by that, I mean good physical exam, a um, with blood work, including thyroid, um, maybe some x-rays, possibly a chiro exam, massage, just to make sure everything's okay. Um, I've had more than one occasion where I've had dogs kind of performing poorly, and it turns out their thyroid is low. Um and I'm a little quicker to realize it now. My first dog that I had with low, low thyroid, he was pretty bad before anyone said, gosh, his coat seems kind of off too. And the poor dog was trying to do open and utility and sucking at it, frankly, because he felt like crap. And, um, you know, it's funny what the low thyroid pill did for him. And, and then I've also had that with a couple of my Sammies where they even end up not on a, fairly, on a very low dose. I think it's just when we ask our dogs to work really hard. Sometimes they just need a little, the, the blood work can be in normal range, but sometimes they still don't feel good because it's not at the right level for them. And you can bring it to a little higher normal and then the dog feels better. So thyroid's important to check just to CBC, make sure everything's as it should be. Because you just don't know, I've had a time, I had a time with Hex where she was kind of dumpy and, oh, we did all this diagnostics and she had lepto. You know, I was glad that I had a vet that, believe me, figured that out. We had a dog that was qualified for the invitational, rent down, but she was getting slower, like what's going on? She had a pneumothorax, a spontaneous pneumothorax or a collapsed lung. So always start at the vet. Make sure your dog is healthy because dogs are shockingly stoic. Especially if it's something kind of slowly coming on, like some arthritis or thyroid or something like that. There may not be anything really sudden and maybe sort of a gradual change, you know, make sure they're ready, you know, make sure their body is ready for what we're trying to ask them to do. Second thing I would suggest is a lot of times if you're having issues, like I'm going to start with the A-frame first, the creeping down the A-frame. And so one thing I would suggest is to consider retraining the A-frame, taking the time to go back and retraining it. Generally speaking, putting a new command on your a frame and kind of retraining it from the ground up will give you better results than trying to speed up what you already have because if the dog associates the command you have with coming to the top of the a-frame and standing there and staring at you. That's going to be harder to fix. Um, Doesn't mean you can't be done. It's going to be a little harder to fix in my opinion. And when I retrain it, you, that may go a little faster than it would initially, but still go through the steps. Like if you're training a running A-frame, you know, whatever method you're going to use, like go back to the box on the ground, teach them to run through the box on the ground, put it on a low A-frame, teach them to run through the box on the low A-frame, then bring it up or whatever other method you use. That's just one example of a method you can't use so that the dog still has the foundation there. Um, but the main thing I'm going to talk about is... Getting the dog really working for food and how to get them really driving for that food, even when the food is no longer in front of their face. So when I have a dog that is sort of you know, sort of sad monkey about doing something, in this case coming down the A-frame, and they're food motivated, I will use their dinner as an as a way to be like. Hey, if you want if you want to eat come <laughs> come on let's do this performance. So, what I start with is you know, mealtime. I feed the other dogs. I would take this dog out and I would be like, here's your food and I will even dress up the food, whatever they eat, you know, maybe add something extra special to it so it smells extra good, it's an extra good treat, whatever. You know, whether it's some canned food or some raw or some some sort of topper or whatever, something that they really like that's extra special. And I would go out to this A-frame and I would, and at first I would straight up use the food as a lure. Like here's the food you run down hard and, and hit your contact. And I'm going to give you some bites of food. And every time that dog gives you the, the performance you want, they get some food. Now, if they come down the A-frame and they stick, if they don't give you the performance you want, you show them the food and be like, Oh, sorry. If you, you know, you don't get it. You didn't work hard enough. Okay. And it's really important to not feed for anything other than the performance you really, really want when you see that dog really driving for the food. And it's also important to be willing to say, oh, you don't seem that interested tonight. I'm not sure I'm that interested in feeding you dinner. Um, And before everybody goes, oh, how shocking. Keep in mind that dogs are kind of, you know, they're not horses. They don't need to have their stomach full all the time. They're going to be just fine if they skip a couple meals. If your dog is one that gets kind of a yucky tummy, um, if they uh don't eat regular meals, you can give them some pepsi to help keep their tummy feeling good. We don't want them feeling sick. But a lot of times if a dog skips a meal and you put that food away and they come out the next time and they're like, you know what? I think I love my A-frame now and I would love to run down it. And so <laughs> a lot of times one or two times of, oh. You mean I actually have to do it your way if I'm going to get fed? Makes a pretty big impression. So what I do is when the dog is pretty consistently for their meals going, yeah, I'm going to drive down and I'm going to I'm going to do my A-frame the way you want, where they're running, you know, coming right over that apex, coming down, is then I will have the food off to the side. So I'm no longer using that food as a lure. Because what we need to teach the dog is not just that they're running for the bowl of food, but that it's sort of, it's like their paycheck, okay? And so, like, I know if I go to work and I do a good job that I'm going to get a paycheck. And it may not come right the second I do every good thing, but I know it's coming. And that's what we have to start teaching our dog to do. So where you're going to start with that A-frame is you're going to, and maybe even warm up with a couple where you lure them with the food bowls. It's like, yeah, we're really working for our food. Remember, we're working for our food. And then maybe set it off just a little bit to the side and do your A-frame. And if you get the performance you want, what a good dog. Let's go over and get a couple bites of food. If they don't give you the performance you want, oh, no, we're going to try again. Show them the food that they missed. Do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? Keep doing that until they're like, even if they get really frustrated, like, well, darn it. You know, they may be a little mad. They may bark at you a little bit, but finally they're going to do their a-frame and again you have to be willing if they say oh i don't think i can do this this is too hard sad me i can't do it if the food's not in front of my nose okay well then you can go away tonight and i'm gonna put your food away tonight and we'll come out tomorrow and we'll try again and that again and because we've already worked that, the dog if you're consistent and this is where as a trainer need to be very consistent this is my criteria this is how you have to perform this exercise so that the dog understands exactly what gets them rewarded and what doesn't get them rewarded. The dog's going to start being more and more consistent with giving you the correct A-frame performance that you want in order that they can go get the food. Okay. Um, So then when the dog is, you've got your food off to the side and the dog will go and the dog will do the A-frame and then maybe jump A-frame or tunnel A-frame Then let's start adding it into a few more things. Maybe go jump, A-frame, jump, tunnel, or something like that. Or tunnel, jump, A-frame. Then go get the food. Or maybe do a couple of reps where it's like jump, A-frame, jump. Good dog, that was really good. Let's do that again. Do a couple times. All right, let's go get your food. So the dog starts to learn that um, they're going to get rewarded, but it may not be every single time. OK, and I like to still mark that behavior. So every time I get a good A-frame behavior, I will tell the dog that, that was good. But maybe, again, they'll have to string a couple good A-frames together before they get fed or a few other behaviors around it or some behaviors coming into it. Then we do the A-frame and go get fed. If the dog doesn't perform the A-frame properly. nope, that's not right. Come on, let's go back. Let's do this again. OK. So I always let the dog know when they do it wrong and then I'm going to start over. But we start building some duration. Once you're pretty consistent with that, then it's time to go back to a trial. And I would highly recommend that you be willing to tank a few standard runs or maybe enter fast or time to beat and do the FEO or something like that and do some A-frames. Like I would say, you know, go into fast and find a line that allows you to do maybe a couple things in an A-frame and maybe the first time in a trial you do it. Gosh, if you get that A-frame performance you want, thank you. Come out of the ring, go get some food. Okay. And if the dog doesn't give you the performance you want, nope, come on, let's try again. Do it. If you can get a rep of a good A-frame, awesome. If you can't, I mean, obviously you're limiting your time. You come back out, show them the food, buddy. I'm sorry. You don't get the food. And you may need to be willing to tank a few runs before the dog says, oh, yeah. Obviously, in this time, like when you start trialing again or before you start trialing again, if you can go to a few places and train so they get some different equipment and some opportunities to be rewarded a little faster after performing correctly, that's ideal. But this still should start to translate if you really you know don't be like oh i feel bad for him i'm gonna give him food anyway no be real clear but what you may want to do is tank a couple of runs where you basically do a couple things do an a-frame get a good performance come out feed the dog so the dog goes oh okay this this applies here too and then you know and then when you go back and you're running for real if you will the same thing. You're going to market if they do it well, and you're gonna be like, you're going to get supper for that or whatever, you know. So the dog is like, yeah, I'm going to get supper for that and then do it. And if they don't nope, that's not right. Sorry. So the dog really understands this is how I get my food. Um, And you can kind of do the same thing with a toy as you're progressing to not using the toy as a lure. One thing I see people do. And the nice thing, if your dog will work for a toy, is you can go in FEO, obviously, and bring a toy with you. But what I would say, if you're to that point that you're in a trial doing FEO, have your toy, but have it hidden. Or drop it off to the side or something. Don't have it in your hand. One thing I see people doing when they're trying to fix that sticky A-frame or a sticky something is they're waving the toy in front of the dog's face in the ring, and the dog's great. And then you get in your real run, and the Uh. dog doesn't perform correctly, but the picture looks different because you don't have the toy in your hand. So make sure you've transitioned to not having the toy in front of your face before you go on the ring and then doing that also in your FEO. So the toys in your pocket or off to the side or something so that you can reward them like you're doing at home in your FEO run. That's how I would retrain that a-frame if it was mine.
1: Well, and actually I want to interject something on that behalf there when it comes to retraining, don't re-enter trials so quickly just because you started retraining something, take time off. Don't rush yourself because if you rush and get back to a trial so soon, and I have seen this done time and time again with multiple handlers, multiple dogs, because they got half a performance that they won. And it was, close enough to what they wanted but it wasn't all of what they wanted and mm-hmm. within a few months few trials it all fell apart again and yep. now you've used your second retraining and dogs aren't stupid you know, you've done it once okay it wasn't what you wanted you do it a second time okay now they're wising up to going i have no idea what you're asking for at this point in time so you get really i think you only get like three retrains really before mm-hmm. things you need to go back to a desperate of Back to square one completely at this point Um, Mm -hmm. more beyond just the lowering the A-frame and stuff like that so don't rush back to trialing make sure you get what you're looking for I know everybody loves to trial, everybody loves to compete and be out there with their friends but for the longevity and long term training and competing with your dog and for the high success rate which I know we all love success uh, it's best to take your time, I mean it was hard for me when Kyber broke his leg and we were out for eight months, it killed me because I mean, I missed nationals. I missed tryouts. I missed two tryouts, actually, and it was something I was really preparing for and getting ready to go. And all that was gone. It, I had to, I had to sit back and go. We got to train everything again. I had to rebuild all this muscle. So you know, it took time. So it paid off. I mean, it yep. was great for me to see the success that I have gotten from Kyber from retraining his dog walk and actually making it a running dog walk and Mm -hmm. I've had to go back up to nationals and go back and fix it and I have been spending every day since I've been home redoing it and getting my criteria I want and yes I have used his food to motivate him out of a treat and train and you know when he gets it he gets paid if he doesn't Mm
0: -hmm.
1: well he doesn't get paid so yeah I mean it just be patient don't rush it
0: yes and that's absolutely true and you think of about it especially if this is a problem that the dog has had for a long time um and the person that asked the question of us like i've watched her like this she's done a great job with this dog like this dog used to kind of come out there and be like no nah, i am not think i'm playing agility today and the dog you know he's working in masters and she's doing a nice job but i know she'd like a little better consistent performance out of him and i totally get it but yeah Absolutely. Be willing to sit out trialing for a while because in the long run, you think about it, you know, when they talk about if you're trying to make a new habit, you have to do it way more times the new way than you did the old way in order to break the habit. And that's kind of what you're doing here where you're, if the dog's got a habit of being sticky on the A-frame or a habit of being like, I don't want to, you're not going to fix it in just a couple training sessions. You're going to need to take some time to really get the dog understanding that this is the only way you get the food. The only way you're going to get the reward that you want is by running it this way. And you can't do that in a week or two weeks. You know, you're going to need to take some time. And like you say, take a break from trialing because that's the only way you're going to get it fixed. So that's a great point. So building on that, the idea of a dog that gets kind of demotivated and and isn't wanting to work really on course and, and you're, and you as a handler are having to run the outside line or, you know, do a lot of cheerleading and all that stuff to try to encourage the dog. It's kind of the same idea. Okay. Is we're trying to get the dog to drive. We're trying to get the dog to be like, yeah, I'm going to go instead of kind of sitting there and waiting for you to beg him. Okay. So same kind of idea where if my dog is working for the food, I'm going to start off with a short sequence and, you know, using a treat and train or even leaving them on a stay and going to the end of the sequence. Here's your food bowl. You want your food? You know, two jumps. And if they're really like, yeah, jump, jump, food. Okay. And then build the three jumps. And then the food's in your hand, maybe, and you're running, or then the food's off to your side. Where, again, if the dog drives and runs, stick with short sequences at first and a lot of straight lines or easy curved lines. So it's motivating for the dog to run. Um, And then as the dog gets better, build up a little more time before they get fed and be ready. You know, I think sometimes as trainers we are, when a dog is first learning something, it can be very beneficial to reward them for kind of the right idea because they're trying to figure it out. And I think sometimes, especially when we have a dog that's kind of tough to motivate, we get stuck in continuing to do that. But once the dog understands better what their job is, if you reward for kind of this halfway stuff, I think you're actually, what you do is you confuse the dog. And they're like, well, do you want me to run? Or do you want me to kind of run? Or should I just kind of jog? Or should I just stand there? You know, which I'm not saying is what happened in this particular case. But, you know, it can be easy to do. I see a lot of trainers do that kind of thing. Make sure as you're working on this, that the dog only gets fed when they're, Really running and really committed and really working hard. And then, you know, when they can do, you know, four or five things in a row where they're really running, then start adding some distraction to that. Like even before you add more time length to your sequence, more obstacles to your sequence, do some things like if you're training with a group of people, have somebody off to the side clapping or waving a treat bag or squeaking a toy, and the dog doesn't get their food unless. They drive, you know, ignore all that crap and just keep driving where you ask them to go. And then they get food, Um, you know, get some of their food. You can, if you're working on your own, some things you can do, um, you know, you can squeak and carry a toy in your hand and squeak it. You can, um, I do things like I have some of those remote control toys. You can get some cheap on Amazon and stuff or watch clearance stores like at Menards or something like that. You can get them on clearance. Have a remote control toy like a car or whatever, an animal, and have it off to the side, have the remote control in your hand, hit the button, get the thing moving while the dog's running by. So you distract them. So they learn that in order to get their food, they got to ignore all that distraction and run. Because what that does is that builds understanding that that's what you really want them to do and that's how they're going to get fed. And... Do a lot of that in shorter sequences. And then every now and then put together a longer sequence. Maybe, you know, if you've been doing four or five obstacles, go to maybe 10. And if the dog really runs and drives, awesome, big jackpot, maybe that's it for that training session. If they kind of start to poop out, stop them. be like, nope, come on, we're going to do again and start again. Remember, here's your food. You're working for your food and then take them back and work them. So the dog starts to understand that, that that running is what you want so that you're rewarding the dog when they're running hard, not when they're kind of running. Which again, I think happens a lot when we have a dog that isn't very motivated is we tend to feed kind of effort because we're trying to encourage them. And I think again, once the dog reaches a certain point, I really do think the dog starts to go, Oh, well then this is good enough you know, like this is good enough to get me rewarded. And sort of like a lot of us, if we were at work and our boss didn't seem to care if we gave C average work versus a plus work, well, there's plenty of days. We would probably just offer C average work and dogs are the same way. You know, it's like, and maybe, you know, we'll hop up and do our best sometimes anyhow, but it's like, Oh, I'm not really feeling it today. And you know, I don't really care if I don't work that hard. So, you know, and dogs, you know,
1: Well, and let's go back a little bit farther to the beginning. Let's go back to the start line because I will say that I have had this issue with Picks. Um, He's a very different dog than my Border Collies. My Border Collies could care less where we're at, what the pressure is. Once they're on the start line, they know their job, and they they don't care. They will run at full speed starting off the bat. Picks, on the other hand, depending on where I go and how – busy things are and how much pressure is. I I can't do a lead out. I, I've learned that because mm-hmm. I can do a lead out actually, but it's a very, very different mentality from him. It's I can mm-hmm. watch him kind of starting to melt because there is all this pressure. And I watched it even at Nationals uh, two mm-hmm. weeks ago where I could just look back and he's, his ears are kind of falling back. They're not, uh, they're not little satellite antennas where I'm getting satellite radio all the way across mm-hmm. the country. They fall and I can see him melting. And at that point, I know, oh, I'm going to be in trouble for this one. So mm-hmm. um, now what I've done is if I don't truly need a lead out, and then I go back and I send them back far enough off to jump. And I kind of get him roughed up. And then I push them back. And then we take off. I don't give them that mm-hmm. chance to think about it. I think of yep. giving that chance to crumble underneath that pressure there. So um, all your advice is good but i also think it needs to go back to the start line of how do you set your dog up for success at that trial because home environment is solely different it's comfortable it's very easy to mm-hmm. um, it's very easy to uh, take care of things at home because it's a static environment and it's clean you can take you can control mm-hmm. that you can't control a trial environment there so mm-hmm. definitely go back to that start line rework it build that pressure build that reward off that start line
0: yes absolutely and The thing to always keep in mind is you are never going to have almost never going to have the dog in the ring that you have in training, you know, because first of all, we are different as handlers. I don't care how good we are. The adrenaline gets going. We're a little different in the ring. The dog's adrenaline gets going. We don't have reward on our person. There's people all around. Like it's just, it's a little bit different environment and the dogs are going to be a little different. And so like, you may be at home can do a lead out and the dog comes barreling off confidently. And it's great to still train that. But if you know your dog isn't super confident and doesn't really like that. Okay. So what do I do in the trial to encourage my dog to run harder? You know, and like you say for picks, okay. You're, I'm sure you're still in training. You're working on being able to lead out and really have him drive off that line. But you also know when he's in a high pressure situation that, he can't that's too much for him right now. But that doesn't mean maybe
1: it may be forever too. It may just right. be him. And I've learned to accept that at this point in time that this may be the setup I have to go and I have to pray that my long legs hold up and I can get right. out <laughs> in front of him to start with. Unfortunately, because he doesn't take off the bat off the get-go, I mean just like a bat out of hell right off the bat, it takes mm-hmm. him a couple obstacles to get going. I do have the ability to get a few steps ahead of him. And in all honesty, once he gets going, I can send him distances, but it's just getting started at that point. And it's yep. fine. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm athletic enough. I can get out in front of him, but yes, I would love to have a start line. That would be nice to be able to treat him just like my border collies, but that's, that's for later down, down yep. the line, when he's got more seasoning behind him.
0: Exactly. Well, and I kind of had that with my, with Maestro, with my first mock dog, when he got a little older, I mean, he had a great stay. I could lead out to the other side of the ring and he would stay. But what I found as he got older, he had a little bit of arthritis and getting up and down was a little tougher for him. And so if I left him on the start line, I mean, he would stay. But like you say, it would take him a few obstacles to get going, not because he wasn't trying, but because he just wasn't so great launching out of a sit. But if I started with him then he was it was easier for him to get going okay so that's what i did now that wasn't so much a training issue as adjusting to your dog as he aged but like it's the same kind of thing you got to read your dog and you got to help him in that in that show environment cuz they may just need an extra helper they made him to change him approach and that's a really good point that you know we try to teach our dogs to the performance we want we try to you know to fit what we need out of them but we also need to say we need to take a look at our dog our individual dog and who they are and what's the best thing you know what's the best thing you can do to help them give their best performance in the ring and that can also come with a with a good warm up too like maybe adjusting how you warm up like what really gets that dog fired up maybe Maybe a little shift in warm-up routine. Maybe they need a longer warm-up routine or shorter. Or maybe they need to be real intense. Or maybe they need to be real calm. You know, kind of finding all that stuff, too, can be really important to help the dog. And it's just right. all part of the right, formula.
1: Yeah. Well, for instance, like, you know, with pigs, I actually do not throw them over warm-up jumps. I don't even mm-hmm. give him that opportunity because... I don't need him to even think about anything else other than just hanging out with me. He goes and sees people. He'll ride on my shoulders just like a Pokemon. Cause yes, I did name him after a Pokemon cause I am a nerd. Um, but he rides on my shoulder as we're going down to the ring. Maybe some of you have seen me while I'm, uh, walking off the ring. Yeah. He's on my shoulder and he absolutely loves it up there. And you know, that makes him happy. But when we get to that start line, all I do is literally just let him just kind of put his feet up on me. I, play with them there and, you know, make sure he's happy. He's focused on me. But with the Border Collies, the warm-up routine is literally we can tug, we can play, you know, throw more warm-up jumps. Sometimes I don't even do warm-up jumps just because unless it's the first round of the day, just making sure that, you know, we're on, tar, on par with everybody. I just, I don't always do warm-up jumps with them because sometimes there just is the time because some people are on the warm-up jump and I'd rather let them have it and my guys mm-hmm. are fine with it cuz they get warmed up because they get walked out and tried out just like a uh, like a horse does before they go run so they're happy they get stretched out and they're good to go at that point in time but there are very distinct differences not just between breeds but between dog to dog just based mm-hmm. on how they are it's like a human you know you you yep. have to treat human athletes differently because they do have a different mentality, different physicality. So just have to learn to read your dog and understand and appreciate for what they do have at that point. Cause every Absolutely. dog can be highly successful, but it's about how you bring that success out in them.
0: Exactly. And again, it's not about what you like to do. Like for instance, Sonnet, Darn. my dog, that you know, I know, right. She, so hex my one-eyed dog she likes for me she needs for me as a handler to be real intense and we're out there running and which is what is best for me as a handler to well basically to keep my head out of my rear end and help me be in the right place at the right time and not be late and not be spectating like the mentality hex needs out of me is the my best way to keep myself in the game well, what I learned with Sonnet is if I try to be like that with her, it makes her head explode. Like, she's like, oh my gosh, it's too intense and I can't handle it. And she'll either barely move or she'll start, like, get the zoomies and just run around the ring. Like, she just can't even handle it anymore. So I have to be a lot more, my mental state has to be a lot more calm and just, okay, here we're running. And so, like, she was having real problems a couple years ago, or a year and a half ago where she just couldn't keep it together in the ring at all. And so I changed, I kind of changed everything. Like I changed how I warmed her up both in training and in in the show ring. And then I made a real conscious effort to shift my mentality when I ran her. And sometimes, you know, we talk about like dogs are very situational. When you retrain something, if you also maybe create a new warm up routine to go with it, Sometimes that can really help your dog because then the whole thing is different and it helps put them in the right frame of mind to go in the ring and do the new, the newly trained performance. So, you know, find a new warm-up routine maybe that A helps your dog a little more and B gets them in a different in the frame of mind you actually need them to have. Um because if they're not on the right frame of mind, they're not going to give you the performance that you want. And sometimes finding a different, a different warm-up routine can help everything and just kind of make it feel like a whole different exercise to your dog. So the last one we were asked about is uh, tunnel suckage. And we've all seen tunnel suckers. We probably all had tunnel suckers.
1: (laughs) Yep, tunnel suckers. I love it. I love it. Even as a judge, when I try to make courses, I try to make them. There's not too much of a tunnel sucker there, but uh,
0: yeah, uh, sing songs to you about it though, because sometimes you get tunnel suckers anyway. Um, (laughs) (laughs) maybe a post for another time when we. bring out the 50 ways to take an off course tunnel song uh that we sang to Jeff at the oh
1: my god i will never live that down
0: <laughs> <laughs> because it was awesome it did get kind of funny wait for a
1: who awesome for a who hold on here let's go <laughs> back i i don't know if i thought that was totally awesome but you know <laughs>
0: How long have you been serenaded during the during the briefing? We made a whole song just for you. Uh.
1: I feel special. If you weren't one of my best friends, I probably like—I don't know if I like you now.
0: Well, you know, like, and for it it was just one of those things where it's like it almost got comical because I was like, okay, which off course tunnel is the dog going to take on this run? You know, because we were all doing it. every single dog basically. And I remember cavalierly thinking with a couple of my dogs, Oh, you know, because I think I ran like four dogs on that course and screwed it up every time, different way every time, as I recall. But even when I was like, well, I'm going to make sure I do this. And I don't know, like I'm, I'm sure most of it was me. And some of it was the dog going, yeah, don't care I'm going. But the bottom line was, Oh, so many off course tunnels. So many,
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> yes, yes. Because traps of from hell. yeah, well, it's all good i've 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 passed on an awful lot of your courses, so I can't really complain about the day that you know we all yeah,
1: one bad day <laughs> out of all the other ones you travel underneath me
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, like I say, it it got to the point that it was just sort of funny because it was like, okay, which off course tunnel is this dog going to take? Oh, Matt, this one's taking that tunnel. You know, it was just, <laughs> 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 it was funny. But, you know, in all seriousness, no, like tunnel suckage is, a, is an issue. Okay. And I recently finished a mock on a golden retriever who could spot a tunnel from a mile away and she could. Old tiki. Yeah, good old tiki. And so I'm going to tell you guys how I worked through this with Tiki because, oh, Tiki, like she, that was really a thing for her. And I think she was just like, well, tunnels are fun and I like tunnels. And so I'm going to go. So the first thing I'm going to say is one thing that I started to do with Tiki and I think is really important is I never rewarded her right after a tunnel. I always rewarded her after something else, like a jump, Um, and this exercise that I'm about to tell you about, like, I always would pick a jump, even if no matter what, it was never after tunnel because the tunnel was rewarding in itself. So I wanted to make sure I rewarded something like she wasn't a big fan of jumping. So I wanted to not, I wanted to reward her for jumping because it was harder for her. Whereas tunnels obviously were already wonderful. I didn't need to reward those. So what I did And this is going to feel very old fashioned to many of you, but it worked great for Tiki to help her understanding. Because I really do think that she sort of believed that if she saw a tunnel, she should go to it. And I needed her to understand that I only wanted her to go to it when I sent her. So I set up the good old fashioned racetrack. I had basically an oval and one end of the oval was a curved tunnel. And then I had jumps along the side and around the other end. Okay. And how many jumps and how big is, you know, depends on how much space you had. So I kind of had a few different configurations depending on where I was working her. And what I did first is I just get her out there and we just run around. Like I'd have her on my right. We'd go all the way around, like jump, jump, tunnel, jump, jump. And then I'd reward her. And then I'd take her and she'd be on my left, jump, jump, tunnel, jump, jump, and I'd reward her, you know? Again, always rewarding after jumping because that's the part that was harder for her. Just get her running. This is fun. We're running. And then what I do is sometimes I go jump, jump, tunnel, like straight into the tunnel that's straight in front of her. And sometimes I would cue a turn before she took off on the jump before the tunnel and then I'd turn her, I'd either do a wrap and head back the other direction, or maybe I'd have something set to the side and I'd cue a rear cross or cue a front cross or whatever. Like maybe I would do a front cross and I'd head off to the other side of the oval. Or maybe I'd have a jump set off to the side and I'd cue a rear cross and, and we'd go off, you know, totally away from the tunnel. And I had, so I had a couple of things. First, I was trying to cue my turns like a good kid. And then I also taught her the collection Verbal and in her case, I just used her name, I just went tick, 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 tick. Um, my daughter, when she has wants extra collection like that, she goes, Ch-ch-ch. I mean, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what your verbal is, you can say boogers, whatever, as long as you're consistent. But always before she took off, you know. well, you know, the dog doesn't care, <laughs> they don't know what boogers are. but you know, you can like always before she took off being that's very important before she took off on the jump before the tunnel when i was going to have her turn i would give her her little teak 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 and then i would cue the turn and then if she turned i would do the next jump and i would reward her okay if she didn't turn if she took the tunnel anyway I would freeze. That's the first thing I would do is freeze. And I would look at myself and I would look at where my feet were. And I would look at where my shoulders are. And I would look where my body motion had taken me. And if my feet, shoulders or body motion were pointing toward the tunnel that I didn't think I wanted her to take, I was like, okay, good dog. Let's start again. And I didn't reward her because remember, I'm not rewarding her for coming through a tunnel because we don't really need that reward. But I also didn't tell her she was wrong. Because she wasn't wrong because she did exactly what my incapable self told her to do. So we just start over. No big deal. Okay, let's start again. But if I'd actually cued and turned and not run deeper to the tunnel and all that good stuff, and she still took the tunnel, then I said, no, that's not right. Let's try it again. And again, when she did read the turn, then I rewarded her. Okay. And so then I would do a mishmash of things. Like I'd run, maybe run around the track once and we would just go straight in the tunnel. And then the next time I'd cue a turn and I'd turn her and we'd go and then I'd reward her for doing the turn in the next jump. And then maybe I'd cue a turn and send her to the other side of the tunnel because that was the other problem we had is I couldn't bypass the obvious side of the tunnel for the other side. So I wanted her to understand that it could be either end of the tunnel and she needed to follow that. And so we do that. And then I do another one where I turned her away because I really think she sort of thought that whatever she'd done before was what she was supposed to do again. And so this way she started to realize that it might be the tunnel. It might not be the tunnel. And as long as she tried to follow me, she was right. And that really helped her a lot. Like, and then I can say, I would reward Every time, or pretty much every time, like once I got the nice turn, I'd at least verbally reward her always. And then, you know, take the next jump, take the next obstacle, whatever. Good dog. Here's your, here's your, like in her case, it was her holy rollerball. It was her favorite thing. So that's what we'd play with. And that really made it a breakfast for her. Um, but I think sometimes I think what people do when they have a situation like that is they avoid it. They're like, well, I'm just never gonna send them into a tunnel. You know. Well that doesn't really help because sometimes you do have to send them in a tunnel, you know? <laughs> you're especially not you gonna
1: especially if you get one of my courses.
0: Uh-huh. Exactly. So I you want to make sure that you're And you want to make sure that you're not only doing the less obvious side of the tunnel because then dogs are like, Oh, well, it's never the one in front of me. And then that time you really do need them to send to the tunnel. They're like, no, this is a trick. I'm not falling for this, you know, (laughs) and then you're out of luck anyway. Um, But so you want them to understand that, that it's, you know, they need to follow you. And then of course you need to up your game and make sure you are telling them in a timely manner. And if you're not sure, like any confusion goes to the dog. So then you're just like, Oh, well, okay. I probably screwed that up and you're going to go back and try it again. That's what I found. And that was something like, I don't have a ton of space at home to train, but it was, that was that I could do with like, you know, four jumps in a tunnel and you know, was work on that. And that helped her understand better than anything. And you can use that same kind of concept if you, you know, for like discriminations, if there's like a, You know, between a contact piece and the tunnel, Um, sometimes go to the contact obstacle, sometimes go to the tunnel so the dog understands to really listen to you. And it helps you, I think, as a handler, up your game as far as giving cues in a timely manner so the dog knows ahead of time where they're going. So, you know, you shouldn't be screeching at them when they're one stride in front of the tunnel that they need to come over to this jump or this contact obstacle. You need to tell them sooner. And so it's on you as a handler to tell them early and give them the right information. So I think it helps. I think both you and the dog up your game as far as (laughs) your cues and your response and the responses to the cues.
1: Well, and that's a great point. And I think one thing to add to that is knowing when your dog is committed to an obstacle, because Mm -hmm. that's going to lead to your timing of when can you tell them, where they're going, what's the next obstacle, because uh, Nitro has phenomenal commitment. Kyber is getting there and he's still, if I send him 25 foot away, if I'm still not supporting it, the jump, he goes, he looks back and he'll bark at me, goes, are you sure this is what you want me to do? I'm going, yes, mm-hmm. this is what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. Nitro, on the other hand, if I tell him to go jump, he's like, I got, it, I got, it. I get this. I don't even care if it's at 24 still because my kid was doing it for me. I'm like, oh, why? Right. Yeah. But again, you want to, you don't want to tell them while they're over the jump because that typically leads to drop bars. Um, exactly. In my experience of watching as a handler, as a judge, mm-hmm. I can tell when a dog's going to drop a bar based off of a handler's movements and based off of the verbal commitments there. So I always say, if you're going to tell them, tell them early. And when we say early, it means, yeah. Once they're very committed to that obstacle that they're on, that's when you want to tell them, hey, collect, hey, left, right, or take, exactly. the, take the obstacle in front of you.
0: Exactly. And that's exactly like, and you just can't, I think you're right, you just can't em- for, uh, emphasize that enough. That, that's why I say, you know, my collection cue. I made very sure with Tiki that I was saying it before she took off. For that jump before the tunnel because and if I was late, well, you know what, then I just stood back and let her do the dumb tunnel and then we tried again because I wasn't going to scream at her for going where I pointed her. I was known sometimes in a trial to scream at her for not turning when i asked you to <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes i have been known to scream at my dogs in the middle of the ring but it's more like oh my god i can't believe i did that it's not like screaming at them i was like "Ah, oh, i did that
0: yeah pretty much i've done a lot of that too where it's like no, i'm being stupid you know <laughs> you know that horrible moment when you realize you you're being stupid and you just can't make yourself stop and then you're like ah! <laughs> yeah yeah i've i've made a few of those outbursts in my time where it's just like oh boy you're right. but you know but that's and but i just you just can't emphasize that enough that the important part of that is you have to make sure that you have done your job and if you're not sure just try again like don't just be like "Oh, we're gonna try again don't give the, don't tell the dog they're good bad otherwise just be like oh hey let's try this again because i think i might have been stupid and you know hex will tell you that that's the best time to work with your handler because she will give you treats for feeling guilty and
1: <laughs> <laughs> wait
0: you feel guilty <laughs> handler treats like a lot of them <laughs> Oh, she liked it when I grew up. It's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Here I go again. You know? And that's probably the biggest thing like to take out anything you're working, anything you're trying to fix, you know, is trying to figure out how to, how to make it clear to the dog exactly what you want. Like the clearer you can make your criteria. This is what I want. This is what I when This is when I want it. And this is what you get when you do it. You know, that's, that's kind of the root of anything you're trying to train or retrain. And, you know, and like say, if you're not sure you did your job, right. Then just start over. It's fine. Like it's fine. You know, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's not gonna it do
1: okay. It's okay to admit failure. It's okay. It's okay to have failure. It really is. Cause if you don't have failure, you never grow.
0: Exactly. And it's just, you know, And that's the other thing to keep remembering when you're working with your dog. And, and, um, is that, you know, I think about like, sometimes I get frustrated when I actually have my poop in a group and do my job as a handler the whole time. And the dog makes a mistake because it's usually the other way around most of the time. Like, you know, but then I think about that and I'm like, all right, stupid. Okay. Your dog has been perfect. How many times? And you screwed her up. And now you're frustrated because this one time you actually did it right. Like if we're keeping track of batting averages here, she's going to the all-star game and you're riding the bench. So, um, (laughs) you know, and also catch your dog some grace. Like I think sometimes dogs are so athletic and they're so impressive. Like, I mean, stop and think for a hot second about what your dog has to do when they're out there. They are running they are following you and can follow very minute cues most of them and jump and take obstacles and do all this stuff and i don't know about you guys but if i had the dog's job i would be walking and i would still get lost i'm just saying (laughs) 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 so You know, like I would have to walk around the course and then I would be going, where again? And what did you say? And so, I mean, dogs are pretty impressive even when they're not doing it right. They're pretty impressive, honestly. So I just think as handlers, like, you know, give yourself a break every now and again, give the dog a break every now and then. And just, you know, and just like start over. It's okay. One one bad moment in a training session does not a failure make. It's just a... Learning opportunity or a reset opportunity,
1: absolutely. Yep, as always, great advice tonight. And one of these times, we're going to figure out how to do this in uh, less than an hour. Um, I yeah, know right, we we're choking it. This is gonna be a quick <laughs> podcast here. No, it's uh, no, no, never, uh, never a thing that'll happen here. One of these days, so we will, uh, we'll
0: figure well, out. Well, you know, maybe no promises, really. He says that, but he doesn't really, I mean, he means it, but I don't, mean it.
1: I had too much fun with this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to hear you guys' feedback, like, you know, questions or comments or gosh, I tried that and it didn't work for me, but this did work. You know, I mean, because every dog is different and the more dogs you train, the bigger your bag of tricks becomes. And, you know, so if anybody's got something that really worked great for them, you know, we can all learn, or anyone wants to talk about some hilarious ways in which they've just screwed up—that kind too.
1: <laughs> and not only that, but this also idea came to us from a listener. So, as always, feel free to send us in your ideas and uh, DM them to us, and we will be happy to discuss them and put them on the air for everybody. And uh, we'll be happy to, you know, bring those ideas to life for you.
0: Absolutely, we love we love to hear from you.
1: Well, on that note, until next time, thanks for joining us, and we will see you out there on the the turf.
0: Have a great night.